0: Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series, um, and the new series is called Proverbs: uh, Train Your Brain, um, and it's going to be a, a thirty one-day reading plan that we're going to do. It's the Proverbs Challenge. I'm calling it the Proverbs Challenge. And on July 1st, the challenge starts. And the challenge is that I want everyone who's in this building, uh, if you can't read, get the audio Bible. Um, You can listen to it in your car. I want us to read together for the next 31 days, starting July 1st, the book of Proverbs. It's an amazing book. You will never regret reading it. I promise you that. And for those of you that are driving, say, I don't have time to read a chapter a day. Put it on your radio. Put it on your phone. You can listen to it. Uh, for 31 days, I want all of us to journey together. The reason I, I wanna, wanna, want us to dive into um, this book of Proverbs is because I believe on this earth, there's nothing more important than understanding understanding. And as we go through this morning's message, you you will see why I think so and and why I would say that. In Matthew 4 um, verse 17, Jesus, he introduces himself to people. He comes forward and this is the first time he makes a public statement. And the comment that he made, his first address, his first public statement didn't make a lot of sense To those who were listening, they didn't understand what he was saying because what he said was not what they expected. If you're going to become a public speaker, if you're going to become a politician, and man, we are swamped with politics from everywhere in the world. Uh, we, we are aware of different political races um, happening in Canada and also happening in the States and in Europe and, and in Israel. Um, you know, presidents that were just overturned, prime ministers that were overturned and things like that. It's worldwide. If you are going to become a public figure, somebody that's going to be a leader, somebody that wants to lead a people, you must make sure that you have a catchphrase. And your catchphrase, it has to be relevant And it has to impact people's lives. It has to be something that they go, yeah, I recognize with that. You have to be aware of what's going on. You must have like a a feel for the land of what's happening in people's lives. You must know the environment that they are living in. So for Jesus, when he came forward with his, his first statement that he made to the people, their situation currently is like these people were slaves for 400 years. They have been captive for 400 years. Right now, they are being captive by the Romans. The Romans are their leaders right now. They have not had a prophet for 400 years. God has not spoken to them as a nation for 400 years. There's been no word from God to, to encourage them, to guide them, to lead them, to see them. And besides that, they are a people that are governed by laws and regulations the commandments, the Ten Commandments, but besides that, there's different debates. Some people say six hundred and fifteen. Some people say five hundred and sixty-five. They created extra laws. So let's say let's go the lower one. Five hundred and sixty-five extra laws they created. They they call them fence laws, and the reason they call them fence laws is because if this is the the commandment, we don't want to break this one. If we break this one, condemnation comes on us. So what we're going to do is we want to set up a whole bunch of other laws that we have to jump over before we can get to the real one. So they have all these laws that they're living. So Jesus is speaking to a people. They are slaves, haven't heard from God. They are captive by religion. Like they are caught up by religion. Jewish people. So you have to keep that in mind when you want to address them. But this is Jesus' first public statement that he made. It says in Matthew 4:17. from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So he's talking to a community, and this community weren't expecting that kind of message. He was talking to a people that were expecting just another religious message. One that is the same as what they've heard before. It's one of my challenges as a pastor. I have—I mean, guys that preach and, and share words online, and Mark, you guys know that, that when you present a word, Jay, when you bring a word, you never want to bring one that is just the same as last week's. It's one of those things that I constantly pray about during the weeks. That God, give me a perspective. Change my angles. Let me see a different view of this thing that maybe we've heard it before so many times that when you hear that scripture, you kind of switch off. Like I ask God to give me a paradigm shift when I look at it. Give me a different perspective. And what Jesus was doing here is the religious people, the religious leaders, when they had preached, They all preached the same message on the same day. So if you go to the synagogue across the world, across the world, they will all be reading the same passage today. That is the standard. There's nothing original. There's no new perspective. There's nothing different. It's the same word. Nothing changes. So Jesus comes and he says something different. These people weren't, and, and the different wasn't the repent, because repent is usual. It's normal. The Hebrew word is shav nicham, which means feel sorrow for your sins. If Jesus was saying shav nicham, the rest of the people would have gone, yeah, agree with that. That sounds right to me. That's what we've heard. But that was not the word that Jesus used. He used a different word. They were expecting Jesus when he came forward as a leader. They were expecting the same message. And as a leader, if you were going to be the Messiah, and what we've we've preached before, for them, Messiah went or meant one that will set them free from slavery physically. Overthrow the Roman government what they expected from him. They expected him to possibly bring financial freedom. They were no longer slaves. They they are able to trade more freely, make more money. They were expecting relationship problems resolved. Um, Show us how to do that, how to bring families together. They were uh, possibly expecting a message about Jesus, let's solve the equality problem. Let's solve those problems. Jesus, those are the messages that we want to hear from you. And he did not do that. Or maybe he did. Maybe he did it. And they just didn't get it. It. What's this it that I'm talking about? I'm going to show you. Let's read Proverbs 4, verse 7. Oh, I, I love this, this passage says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Say that again. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Here's another translation. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get Wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, everything you've got, get understanding. Understanding, which he said we should get. Understanding has to do with the big picture. Like a 30,000 feet view is way different than a 30 feet view. Like a big picture. Understanding is big picture. The the big picture in understanding is so that we can get the intent or the intentions for actions. Give us the big picture why you are doing that, God. Give us understanding. Now, I've discovered, and I think you probably would agree with me, even more recently with everything that's happening in society, I think God is the most misunderstood being on the face of the earth. He's misunderstood. The big picture, it's been twisted. I misunderstand him. And those who taught me and trained me and equipped me misunderstood him. The best Christian in the world have misunderstood him. And because of this misunderstanding in my past, (laughs) the way I'm living life and teaching and guiding my children and my family and my relationship with my wife, I am constantly interrupted by God. It's almost like he keeps introducing or reintroducing himself to me. Because I've got the wrong big picture about him. See, when I met him, when I was first introduced to him as a child through my parents, I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church where I feared him because I was scared he was going to throw me with a lightning bolt or squash me like a bug. That was the God I was introduced to, not the one who longs for relationship. And as I grew in my faith and I got to know that he loves me personally and he wants to know you personally and he's got plans for you personally and that his love is unconditional. As I grew in that understanding, based on my previous perspective, I realized how wrong I've been in so many areas, even in communicating and teaching his word and leading others. I've been wrong in communicating God's heart. And this is what God says: I've been wrong. At least once <laughs> today. But one thing that I do know is, as I am growing in relationship with Him, I am growing in my understanding of Him. And as I continue to desire to have His big picture accurate to my life, I am opening myself up continuously to say, God, change shift my view where it's been wrong so that I can see who you are, so that I can communicate who you are. That's my heart. That's my desire. And what I've discovered is his big picture is very different than what most of us have been trained to believe. What is God's big picture? Okay, now I'm going to get into some smaller detailed things. For those of you who know me well, um, and there are many of you that might know this, if, especially if you read our newsletter in the first few years. Uh, you know that I am talented in many areas. I, man, there's oh, many, many areas. I've got talents in many, many areas. But there are many areas where I have zero talent. Art, I'll get to that one. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> the area of art and spelling i am not gifted in those areas at all i admire people who can draw and spell the reason i don't use big words is because i can't read them um, or spell them afterwards. That's why whenever Jay preaches, I'm, I'm listening and I have to focus to get what he's saying because he uses such beautiful words. He paints, he paints pictures with his words. He's a linguist. He's got a skill with it. What they tell me, uh, if, have, have you ever played the game Pictionary? Yeah, don't be on my team. i am competitive i will keep pointing at the thing that i just drew i won't draw anything else because that's just going to mess all all of it up but i will keep pointing at it and i will get angry at you for not seeing what i've put down on the paper but what they've told me is um what artists do is uh, for them to to paint a picture they they have the finished result they they see the finished picture in their mind, they can see it, and then they, they follow that finished image, picture that they have in their mind, and then that's how they draw, uh, or that's how they would, would put it on paper or on canvas. I am more the kind of artist that would say, well, let's see what it becomes, than the one that would say, listen, this is what I pictured and, and this, then it becomes that. I, I admire that. I admire people who can do that. They picture the finished products in their heads and then they create it. So painting on a canvas for them begins with a finished picture. This is why it is important not to judge an artist while he is busy painting or busy sculpting, or busy with the work, you have to wait until he is done, until the process is finished, because it's finished in his head. You might not see it there. I, you've probably seen those, Those um, there's been these concerts where they have praise and worship bands up, and then there's a guy that has an, a canvas upside down, or you don't know it's upside down, and he's busy painting, and I think to myself, I can do that. Because that looks like nothing. He's just drawing lines on this thing. And then suddenly the big reveal comes. And when he spins it around, it's either Jesus on a cross or a mother holding a baby. That is a lamb. That is something else. And the big reveal is amazing. But that artist could see it in his head before the time to put it on the canvas. When you see an artist painting a picture, if you think that is the, the, the finished product... The result of that thought is misunderstanding. Because you can't see what he is already seeing or what he has already saw. You only see what he's busy with. The most important thing to do to understand the handiwork of an artist is to try to get into his head, see his picture. Understanding is never in the hands. It's always in the head. This is why I am convinced that nothing on earth is more powerful than an idea. Ideas exist in the head first. I've had some, I want to say, unfortunate experiences of missing out on some big ideas. I've stepped into big ideas that I should not have stepped into because I thought that was a great idea. And then I've missed out on big ideas that I thought was going to fail miserably and then they don't. Remember my my friend, we were driving to Bible school, Pietri uh, DeVet, he was a gospel singer in South Africa and he just started, released his CDs and, you know, he's nice. So he, in 1995, um, we're driving from Pretoria to Johannesburg. Um, and every day, uh, he was one of the first people that bought one of the first cell phones that came out, the Motorola. Remember that, baby? Yeah, it made our gas money more because that thing was so heavy and big when we drove in the car. Um, it, it was not only a self-defense weapon, but it was also a cell phone. And I still said to him, why on earth would you want a phone? with you all the time is it so people can call me and I can call people I said to him, that's the dumbest idea ever (laughs) I said that thing will never work I drive somewhere I get out I call people or if they want to reach me when I get home I've got an answering machine like I just listen to the message and I call them back this whole cell phone it will never work terrible idea as we know that kind of worked out well Another big idea I missed out on, and this is a big one because it could have affected me financially quite significantly. When we planted the church in 2009, I still had a business that I was running with a friend of mine. We, we did data management for big companies. So a company like Costco, they would have 3 million people on their database and they want to make sure that everybody, everybody pays their, their subscriptions or if there's a new offer that comes out, they want us to create the creator for the newsletter that goes out and then we, would, we have the capacity to mail everybody and then we would do all their mailing for them so emails Um, so if you get still get spam it's not me anymore but it might have been me earlier Um, so we would send Costco emails out to people and then people would purchase and and we made a business out of it we did well with it Um, we did so well that we got invited to a presentation of a company that wanted to launch a new product and this new product they said we're not gonna pay you financially but we're gonna give you shares um, stocks. Um, you will get shares for, for every conversion from the email campaigns that you send out to the Costco people. Every person that signs up for it, that creates a login, you will get shares in the company. So they invited us to this presentation where we sat down um, and uh, I remember sitting down and they started talking about, the, and it was this elaborate presentation and about 140 characters and they lost me after five minutes. I'm like, and yeah, this thing's not going to work at all. I'm not going to waste my time on this thing. Um, and we were have been one of the first people to have ownership in this company a company now recently sold for 44 billion dollars and it's called twitter (laughs) i remember saying to my partner in the meeting this thing is never going to (laughs) work this is the worst idea ever um, we were sitting having a barbecue with some of our South African friends, and, and I told them the story, and one of the guys said to me, listen, if anybody ever comes to you with an idea that you think it's not going to work, just tell me, because <laughs> that's the thing I want to invest in. Whatever you think is not going to work, that's where I want to See, I didn't get the big idea. I never got the, the whole thing behind it. Like, like this iPad was an idea first. This church building was an idea first. It was an idea. Um, You coming to church today, being here, well done, glad you're here. But it started with a thought, an idea. Everything begins with an idea. And when an idea is accepted in the mind, it becomes what we call a precept. A precept is an original idea. And when a precept is conceived, it becomes a concept. I know it feels like English language 101. So a precept becomes a concept. A concept is a big picture of an idea. Concepts are communicated when they become communicated with words. Big reveal. So a word is an exposed thought. Please track with me because this is important. A word is an idea container. So when you communicate an idea, you must use words. When you want a concept to come from your mind to another person's mind, you have to use a medium called words. Communication, therefore, depends on the agreement on the meaning of words. For example, coming from South Africa, again, we we have certain terms that we use that in Canada, it was strange to people when we said them. In South Africa, if somebody asked you, when are you going, we would say, now, now. Which means, in a little while. Soon in a little while. When I came here first and people would ask me, when are we going to do this? I would go now, now. And I would see them stand up and going. I'm thinking, where are you going? For them, it meant, okay, we're going to go immediately. Now, now. Let's go now, now. <laughs> For me, it meant in a little while. Culturally, there is a difference That happens with certain words and culture. It, It has certain values that unless you are from that culture, you don't understand it. So there can be miscommunication. So the key to communication accurately in order to have understanding is that we should have the same meaning of the concept. The concept which comes from the precept, it has to be the same in order for us to talk straight, to have good conversations. So in order for us to communicate accurately, we have to make sure that the definitions are the same as yours. If you define something differently than I do, we are in trouble possibly in our communication and in our relationship. So the words and the meaning of the words, they have to be the same. When there is a breakdown in communication of concepts, it's called a misconception. Nothing can be more dangerous than a misconception. Because a misconception produces misunderstanding. And misunderstanding can produce wrong ideology. ology. Theology, study of God, ideology is something that we believe in, ideas that have been created in us that we put faith in, that if the concept and the communication is incorrect, there is a misconception that causes misunderstanding that leads to wrong ideologies. We believe the wrong things. And this produces a belief system that is contaminated. What you believe, and what I believe, and what we believe, there are many things where we need God to come and say, That's a misconception about me. That's the wrong ideas you have in regards to me. You have a misunderstanding. And this is something that's very important, and and I think it's for all of us. If we have this mindset of just saying, just because I believe it doesn't mean it's truth. There there is something. um, Yesterday we had our prayer meeting. It was so powerful to sit around the table with our prayer team. Um, and there were 24 of, of the prayer team that were there sitting around the table sharing two things. Number one, where they have prayed for someone and they've seen God's miraculous hand in the situation. And the second one is where they've seen somebody else pray for someone and they've seen God's miraculous hand present. Now, I, I don't know if you are like me. If, if I, I and, and this is uh, God help me that I have more faith in other people's testimonies, um, But when I see people on TV praying for other people on TV, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. When, when I see, uh, and, and not just the praying, it's like, you know, you know uh, throw your crutches to the left and to the right and, and start walking on the stage. And then you see them doing, in my mind, I'm going, I wonder in how much pain is that guy that's walking across the stage that that pastor just told him to throw his, he was there with crutches for a reason. And now you tell him to throw him away. I want to know if this guy is still healed two weeks after he walked over the stage. In my mind. Like I, I believe God's doing miracles. I believe, all, I believe the miracles in the Bible are true because of 500 eyewitnesses in general on all of them. So I, I, I know that. But what, we, what is so significant regarding our belief and, and us believing is when God does something personally for me and I experience it. It becomes something that God has revealed himself in. So it's not just um, somebody else on TV that that did it and and now, well, I want to believe it's true, but I don't know the person. When God touches me, my life, and it's my personal miracle, man, I know it's true. It's not just a belief because somebody said I have to believe it. So there are many things which I think we believe and we think it's truth. But if it's not based on the, wrong, on the right precept that flows into a concept that is in the word, if it's not based on that, we must be at a place where we say, God, if there's anything that I believe in regards to you that is incorrect, bring change. I don't want to have a misconcept of you. What I try to do... Personally, and what I've learned is, is I have to get back, go back, to be as close as I possibly can, to the source of the information. I want to learn the precept. Now get this, not the concept. I want to learn the original thoughts. If I can get the precept, then the concept will be right. And therefore, the belief system will be right. If I can have the original idea behind it, and I function in that, and I apply it, the results will be right. I want to go to the originator of the idea, to the precept, the mind of God. We have to go to the mind of God. That is also why I'm not driven. And I don't run after the hand of God. Let me explain this. Meaning, I'm not a miracle chaser. I'm after the mind of God. Because then I will know And I would be able to recognize the hand of God, not just in a growing limb or in a person that is healed. If I know the mind of God, I'm able to recognize the hand of God in creation, in driving, in my work, in my relationships, in my office, in my friendships. And I don't have to chase the hand because I have the mind of him. And Solomon is probably the best example of this. God said to Solomon, ask me anything you want. And Solomon said, I want your wisdom. And God said, because you did not chase my hand, but you chased my thoughts, you will have everything my hand produces also. But we must have the mind of God first, the precept. The word heart Um, When God speaks to David, God says to David, you are a man after my own heart. Oh, there is no chance I'm going to get done with today. I see Dave standing up, which is my cue to start getting ready to finish up. Um, (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Um, God God said to David, and and this is so beautiful to me. He said to David, you are a man after my own heart. After my own heart. The word Hebrew there is... is, is the Hebrew word that is used for mind. David, you are a man after my own mind. Everybody wants miracles and wants to, to see miraculous works. But David, you want to know my thoughts. You want to know what I think. And I like that. David says 18 times in Psalms 119, he says the following He says, teach me thy precepts, your original thought, oh God. Teach me your precepts so I can know your ways. I can recognize you in my life. Then I will make my way justly in this world. If I can learn your precepts, your original ideas before the concepts, What is your original picture of God? When you created all of this, and when you said the words, it is finished. Your viewpoint about everything that you created and how you constructed it. I want to understand how that all works. Show me how creation works. Show me how sowing and reaping works. Show me how healthy relationships work. Show me how marriage works because you are the originator of it. I want to have your big picture on all of creation. Because if I have your understanding and your view of it, my actions will change because of that. But I've got to have your view of it. And this is what I want us to do. This is the church I want us to be. In John 1, John is introducing Jesus to us, and he uses words that that are confusing to many people. He begins his book in in John 1 verse 1. He begins his book this way. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, what's a word? Remember, the word is an idea container. In the beginning was an idea container and the word was God and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's go back to the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is very difficult to describe here because it's not a one it's not a one word translation for that word. When you go to the Greek it gives us a little more understanding of what this word is. The Greek word is the word logos. We've used the word logos before, written word. That's usually how we translate it. It's the written word. But the correct translation for logos is the expression of an idea. So when we read John 1 again, And we put the correct translation in there. It says, In the beginning was the expression of an idea. And the expression of an idea was with God and the expression of an idea was God and was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him and without Him nothing was made that was made. And the expression of an idea became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the expression of God's ideas God's original thoughts, God's precept, when I made everything and I've got this picture in my mind of how it's all going to be, that expression of an idea is Jesus. And that expression of that an idea became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you want to know God's thoughts and God's ways of doing and, and God's thinking, big picture, the answer to all of that is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to that. Follow him, follow his instructions, his ways of doing, and you have God's original thoughts on a matter. He says, and Jesus starts off, he says, repent for the kingdom. Metanoia, repent. Metanoia is the word. This is the the word that, that through the religious leaders and people listening to the message, this is what through... Their usual message, it changed them. It was a different message that he preached because the, the first message is change the way you think because your understanding, it's wrong. Jesus' first message is we have to get understanding of the kingdom. Metanoia. Metanoia change the way you think because the kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom. Kingdom is such an incredible word, which we have no idea what it means. Because none of us grew up in a kingdom. None of us ever served under a king. None of us have been in a country where the king's word has the final authority on a matter. In a kingdom, there is no democracy. Your vote means nothing. In a kingdom, your opinion means nothing. It is the king's word. God's original thought of an idea is called the king of kings, which means his original thought, Jesus Christ, in the big picture of all things, says to us there is a king that has an authority, and what he says goes. It's not open for debate. It doesn't change because you don't like it. This is why I think we have this great opportunity in front of us to bring understanding for us as a body, to communicate Christ accurately to our communities. There's been grave misunderstandings that produces wrong conclusions, that become contaminated belief systems. So for the next six weeks or so, let's say six weeks or so, we're going to look at at the book of Proverbs, and and I'm going to finish with this last part because I just think this is so important. God said to Solomon, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon, what do you want? Solomon said, Okay, God. The whole scripture is there. We won't go through all of it. Uh, Let's go to verse 7. And verse 7 says, Oh, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I'm a little one. I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. Listen to his request. A great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, because I am going to lead your people, it's your people, because I'm going to be their king. God, what I want is give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And, and then I love God's response. This, it says, this speech pleased the Lord. That Solomon had asked this thing. And then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for a long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Do, do you get so Solomon's wisdom wasn't the wisdom of Mark because he's gone through many experiences, or Greg, because he's lived life, he's gone through hardships and successes, or Saki because he's got great wisdom in, in business, or Mark because he's prophesied and he's in the prophetic ministry and he pray. That's not the wisdom or Jay's word knowledge. That's not Solomon's wisdom. Solomon's wisdom is way more than that. It's not good advice from an earthly perspective. Do you get what God gave Solomon? God gave Solomon wisdom of his original idea. This is so major. This is such a big deal. Solomon is the only man besides Jesus because Jesus was there. Solomon is the only man that was given the thoughts of God. This is a big deal. This is not just one man writing his thoughts down. Oh, that's a wise saying, Solomon. We should write that one down. This is a man thinking God's way. That's a big deal in God's kingdom. So we have this knowledge. We have this wisdom available to us. You have God's thoughts on parenting. You have God's thoughts on what it means to be a man, on what it means to be a woman, on what children should do. You've got God's thoughts on finances, on work, on health, on relationships. You have God's thoughts on everything contained in a book called Proverbs. God's original idea given to us by a man that was given God's thoughts regarding God's creation. And we miss the book. We go through life asking questions to people that are dumb. Why not go to the one that has God's thoughts on those issues Apply them. And then you see how God's creation flows through you. That's why we're going to study the book of Proverbs. Because we need to be a people that have God's thoughts. Worship team, I want us to sing promises. I want us to finish with that, please. If you can come up really quickly, please. That'll be great. Our time is up. I want to ask all of you, journey together July 1st, which is, I believe, Thursday. On Thursday, during the week, join our church's Facebook page if you have not. Every, We will send out a little challenge during the week just to encourage you in your reading. Small things. We're going to train our brains. Amen? Let's train our brains to think God's way. It is for our best interest. And I hope that all of you will join us in it. Let, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Father, um, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will imprint in our hearts what you wanted to communicate to us today. That, that if, if we've been, been closed up or shut down or walls up to hear from you, I pray that this morning that you've softened the ground, that those who still doubt in your wisdom and your knowledge and understanding, that, that they will say, Um, I'm opening myself up. God, if you're there, reveal yourself. God, I know you're there. So I pray that all those hearts that said that today, that you will reveal yourself to them. Uh, You've never failed us. Your promises never fail. You never fail. And I pray that we will journey together as a body. And discover your big picture for our lives and for this world and for this church. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.